From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is the WIA National News for week commencing August 14, 2016. And what have we got in the news this week? Well, Australia joins the Global CubeSat Satellite Project, Tasmania's Festival of Bright Ideas, We say goodbye to a long-running segment in this program, What Uses an F-Call, and an ex-serviceman from 1046 Squadron in Vietnam comes up with a bright idea. Speaking of bright ideas, for the second time, Tasmania is playing host to a fun festival celebrating science, the Festival of Bright Ideas. As part of National Science Week, the Festival of Bright Ideas is held at Hobart's Princess Wharf. The festival will showcase the full spectrum of the Tasmanian science sector and aims to offer a program that is accessible and collaborative, engaging all ages and interest levels of science. This is a great opportunity to see the demonstrations in a fun and interesting way and to help celebrate National Science Week in Tasmania. A global research project of the Thermosphere, a little-known part of Above Earth's atmosphere, has Australian input to build and launch CubeSats early 2017. The three small spacecraft weigh less than two kilograms each. They come from the universities of New South Wales, Adelaide and Sydney. They'll be launched from the International Space Station as part of the QB50 project, that is 50 CubeSats from 28 different countries and having a lifespan of just two years. Vale, what use is an F-call? Long live foundations of amateur radio. In a series of podcasts, Ono VK6FLAB presents the building blocks for amateur radio, one concept at a time. His podcast started life in 2011 when asked to record a story he shared during the production of the weekly VK6 amateur radio news in West Australia. Ono had been a licensed radio amateur or ham for a few months and found himself surrounded by people who perceived the basic Australian Foundation amateur licence wasn't worth a thing. What use is an F-call was his response to that sentiment, and it was produced weekly. After long deliberation, it was renamed to Foundations of Amateur Radio, so people outside Australia might also enjoy the experience. So, as we broadcast what use is an F-call several times a month, don't be surprised when you hear it bob up under a new masthead, Foundations of Amateur Radio. And Foundations of Australia... Australian World War I wireless operator Eric Keast-Burke, a photographer, journalist and radio experimenter with the amateur call sign XMO, has a public exhibition that starts this week at a gallery in Melbourne's East. The Australian War Memorial reports very little has been written about the wireless Anzacs in Mesopotamia due to them being small in number and mainly technical troops keeping the battlefield lines of communication open. The Anzac 100 series of articles in Amateur Radio magazine 2015 also covered the work of wireless Anzacs, including Bert Billings, XJP, and Arnold Holst, XPH. Now comes the story of Eric Keast-Burke, XMO, who was in Mesopotamia from 1918 to 19 in the 1st Australian Wireless Signal Squadron, the Mesopotamian Expeditionary Force. Born in Christchurch, he went to Sydney with his family in 04. He joined the Australian Infantry Force after training at Moore Park, Sydney, and he also helped his father edit the Australasian Photo Review. Late in 17, Eric was sent to Mesopotamia as part of the Australian and New Zealand Wireless Signal Squadron and took a camera with accessories to record the experience. 
His squadron stayed in the region for a year after the armistice. Proudly, through photos and lantern slides, he held lectures that eventually funded publication of the wireless unit history. These are at the Highway Gallery in Mount Waverley, with its exhibition of Horse and Morse World War I, and it's on from August 19 to September 11. During World War II, Eric re-enlisted, serving as a captain in the Volunteer Defence Corps and worked in intelligence. The URLs of this story and all stories in this edition of WIA National News will be found at wia.org.au. Just look up this week's broadcast. From a walk in the deserts of Mesopotamia to a walk in the light green of Vietnam. The Battle of Long Tan 50th Anniversary. A move to include amateur radio in this important anniversary for the Battle of Long Tan, which is also known as Vietnam Veterans Day, has been initiated by Mal Johnston, VK6LC, who hopes for support from other veterans who are also radio hams. Serving with 104 Royal Australian Signals in Vietnam, Mal VK6LC has applied to the WIA for a commemorative call sign, and the WIA has also asked for a national call sign, both being licensed processed by the ACMA. The commemorative call signs are sought from August 16, as Australians began to pay honour to the Vietnam War service and sacrifice of our servicemen and women. A number of the soldiers from that battle will also finally be awarded gallantry awards medals following sustained campaigning from D Company Commander, retired Lieutenant Colonel Harry Smith. Almost 60,000 served in Vietnam from 1962 until 1975. 521 lost their lives and more than 3,000 were wounded. Many more veterans suffered and are still suffering because of our service. The Battle of Long Tan was on August 18, 1966. It was one of the fiercest battles fought by Australian soldiers in the Vietnam War. For three and a half hours, in the pouring rain, the mud and shattered rubber plantation trees, called Long Tan, Major Smith led a company of 108 young and mostly inexperienced Australian and New Zealand soldiers to hold off an enemy force of 2,500 hardened soldiers. They were outnumbered 20 to 1. Now, any inquiries about the commemoration of radio amateurs are welcomed by Mal VK6LC, who is listed on qrz.com, and also watch the WIA website front page news for the latest information. The Battle of Long Tan, we remember 50 years on, lest we forget. Digital voices around the world. Bendigo Amateur Radio and Electronics Club invites the public to digital amateur radio voices around the world, a presentation by Wayne Grinkius, VK3WG. Wayne will be providing an interesting presentation on Yesu Fusion, or C4FM, Yesu's new brand of hybrid digital and FM-compatible radios. Wayne will provide an overview of his experience in setting up a digital node at home. The evening commences at 7.30, Friday, August 19, at the First Bendigo Scout Hall, 17 Vine Street. Now, a gold coin donation would be appreciated. Tea, coffee and biscuits available. Digital Voices Around the World, a presentation by Wayne Grinkius, VK3WG. Do you know somebody in the greater Melbourne area that would make a great radio amateur? Or those already with a foundation licence wanting to upgrade? The quality training and assessments weekends continue to get those who want to try modern amateur radio and the scope it offers. The foundation licence session is September 10-11, with preparation for it in the updated foundation licence manual available on mail order. 
For those who already have a foundation license, a special bridging course for the standard license will be run over five Wednesdays at 6.30pm starting September 21. Both events held at Amateur Radio Victoria Office 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. Now I'm going to give you a phone number and an email address, so pens at the ready. For enrolments or more information for both, contact Barry Robinson, Victor Kilo 3, Papa Victor. Barry's email address, foundation at amateurradio.com.au or you can telephone 0428 516 001. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with some news on amateur licensee numbers. The immediate question, I guess most listeners thought, is it good news or bad news? Well, the answer is yes. Let me explain. The ham population of Germany hit a peak of about 80,000 licensees in 2002. By 2015, the number had fallen to 67,349. The sad news comes from Gerrit Herzig, Delta Hotel 8, Golf Hotel Hotel, of the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club, the WIA's counterpart in Germany. To combat the decline, the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club began offering a free online training course and became more active in education and youth work. Also, more amateur radio clubs in Germany are now offering licensing courses, Herzig said. A particular problem, he noted, was that inactive operators often turn in their licenses rather than pay the required renewal fee. Apparently, the annual license fee of €30 Euro is only collected by the licensing authority every three to five years. Many amateurs have been giving up their licence when hit with a bill of €120 or more. That's about $174 Australian dollars. However, there has been an upswing in the number of candidates taking amateur radio licence examinations, Herzig said. Now, a new entry-level licence is under consideration in Germany. It will be interesting to see if that comes about. Meanwhile, the Radio Amateur Society of Thailand has reported that licensees there had peaked at almost 250,000 in in 2012. But numbers have fallen to about 108,000, as some 140,000 amateur licenses were invalidated in 2015. Thailand introduced new amateur radio regulations in 2014 which gave the Thai basic entry-level licence 100 watts on 28 megs and 60 watts on 144 megs. It will be interesting to see how things progress in Thailand. Back in Australia, things are rather more upbeat. From ACMA records, at 1st June 2016, the total number of individual amateur licensees in 2015 reached 14,144 which is up from 14,035 for 2014. These numbers exclude repeaters, beacons, cancelled and expired licences. It might be a gain of only 109 licensees, but it's heading in the right direction. So much for the hearsay that our hobby is losing ground. All those clubs, educators, assessors and facilitators and the WIA exam service deserve a collective pat on the back for this achievement. Further... Those amateurs who encouraged lapsed licensees back into the hobby and our hard-working WIA National Office staff also share in that accolade. Advocacy, education, support, that's what we do. Acknowledgements to the ARRL, Deutsche Amateur Radio Club and Southgate News. 
This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK, 2ZRH, for VK1 WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Foundations of Amateur Radio Recently I talked about a digital mode that had the ability to give you an estimated gain of 13 dB over analog FM. It's the equivalent of gaining more than 2 S points or like turning up your transmitter power from 10 watts to 200 watts. Of course the receiver at the other end doesn't all of a sudden see their S meter go up and neither does the power draw from your transmitter spike. The actual transmitted power is still the same and the actual receive power is also the same. What's going on for this magic to happen? If you've ever listened to Morse code, not to understand it, I'm not there yet either, but just to hear it, you'll notice that you can detect individual dits and dars at very low signal level, much lower than it would be possible to hear an SSB signal in the same environment. The reason that happens is because your ear only needs to detect the presence or absence of a tone. Once you can hear the tone, you can work out how long each tone is and then your brain can decode a dit or a da. Do that enough and you can decode a letter, then a word and then a sentence. So under Morse conditions, there are two basic variables, a tone or not, and the length of that tone. If you had a great filter, you could make it possible to filter out all but the wanted signal, making it possible to hear even weaker signals. What we're really talking about here is something called a signal-to-noise ratio. That is, the difference between the background noise coming from the atmosphere, the neighbours and the radio itself, and the signal, or the Morse code you're trying to detect. The simpler the signal, the easier it is to hear. Of course there are limitations, you can only key so fast, your radio can only key on and off so fast, etc. What if you could key your radio differently? What if you used multiple tones? Could you get the same effect? If you look at JT65, a weak signal digital mode, originally designed to do Earth-Moon-Earth communication, but now widely used on HF, it does exactly that. Instead of on and off, it uses 65 tones to encode information. It uses a whole lot of mathematics, error correction and the like to ensure that each of those tones is decoded correctly and the message is either conveyed entirely or ignored. Doing this allows JT65 to work in an environment where the noise is higher than the signal. And get this, the performance is entirely dependent on the software decoder in the receiver. What that means is that as we figure out how to improve software signal processing, the performance of JT65 will get better. The rabbit hole goes deep when you start digging, and I can assure you, this just scratches the surface. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Macedon Ranges and Central Highlands of Victoria, it can be heard on the Mount Macedon repeater VK3 RMM 147250 at 10.30am and repeated at 8pm. I'm Peter, VK3 TQ. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm John, VK4JJW. Sisters are doing it for themselves, standing on their own two feet. Sisters launch second craft, it's one swell feat. 
Seattle Sisters, aged 11 and 9, launched their second craft carrying an amateur radio APRS transmitter KI-7CSK-11 into near space. Rebecca and Kimberly Young first launched their homemade balloon spacecraft last September. The feat got them invited to the annual White House Science Fair. Now their second launch, this time near the town of George. Their balloon reached a new height more than 100,000 feet into the sky. The young scientists say they measured temperature changes as the craft entered different parts of the atmosphere and tracked the sun's UV waves. The craft carried a Lego R2-D2 action figure from Star Wars The Force Awakens, along with a picture of Loki, the sister's cat. Spy vs. Spy, ham radio call book in 1968 spy story. In 1968, newspapers reported the potential threat to UK national security posed by the amateur radio call book following the conviction of Douglas Britton, G3KFL. On November 13, 1968, the Nashua Telegraph newspaper ran a story sourced from the Times of London which expressed concern that the amateur call book listed hundreds of service personnel with access to secret information. Concern was expressed at the time that the Soviets could use this information to contact potential sources of classified information. The story was triggered by the conviction of Douglas Britton, G3KFL, described as a Royal Air Force wireless operator under the Official Secrets Act. Britton was reportedly approached through amateur radio. The newspaper says a man who said he was a Russian ham operator went up to him in the Science Museum in Kensington in 1962 and addressed him by his call sign, G3KFL. Over 5,000 scouts for Jamboree on the air. More than 5,000 scouts in the state of Sabah in Malaysia are expected to take part in the International 59th Jamboree on the Air, JOTA, and the 20th Jamboree on the Internet, JOTI, from October the 14th to 16th. Sabah was selected as the nation's host for the event, which gathers scouts around the world to communicate through amateur radio and the Internet. About 10 stations will be opened throughout the state during the event. There are many scouts who have amateur radio licenses. The JOTA program provides an opportunity for scouts to interact through amateur radio where their first interactions through the radios will lead to continuous friendship via email or the internet. Made for each other. We end this week's international news with a story from Amateur Radio Newsline. It's a tale of a magazine notice that led to a happy marriage with the help of an amateur in Georgia. Stephen? No, this isn't the story of two people who went out on a date and found romance. It's about the happy marriage between one museum and a vintage Morris co-generating machine it had been wanting for about a decade. Last year, the Chatham Marconi Maritime Center in Massachusetts placed a notice in the ARRL's QST magazine saying it was looking for something called a Cree Keer to add to its collection. The keyer generates one-way Morse code messages to ships at sea at speeds as fast as 100 words per minute using tapes with holes punched ahead of time, player piano style, by another machine. The museum had been searching for the perfect match for its collection for 10 years, and Gene Greniker, K4MOG, 
of Powder Springs, Georgia, proved to be the ultimate matchmaker. The ham radio operator had the machine, which he and a friend had found and bought from a small RCA wireless station in Lantana, Florida. After some fundraising on behalf of the museum, the Creed machine was sold, shipped, and unroute to its new home in Massachusetts. The Maritimes president, Dick Kraser, said the next step is to pair the machine with another mate, a translator that converts the Creed machine output into dots and dashes that museum visitors will be able to hear. A vintage translator is currently undergoing restoration, and once that's done, the two are expected to live happily ever after. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational News 2016 on VK4FUQ. LOTW adds UK Tube 1 support. The AWL has informed Paul N8HM that TQSL configuration file version 9.3 will be released shortly, adding support for UK Tube 1 in the logbook of the world. Simply launching TQSL application should inform you that a new configuration file is available. Contest. Remembrance or ID contest August 13 and 14. The 19th International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, August 20 and 21. 36 Alara Contest is on the last four weekend in August, August 27 28. September 23 25, D Star, Digital Amateur Radio, QSO Party. DX Advice, Indonesian Independence Day Special Event. Look for YB71RI to be active to commemorate the 71st Independence Day of the Republic of Indonesia, which falls on August 17, 2016. Members of the Organisisi Amateur Radio Indonesia ORARI will activate this special event station on all bands and modes from every Indonesian call area from 0 to 9. Please do not send your QSL card as ORARI HQ will automatically send YB71RI special QSL cards to all valid contacts, as shown in log, from all stations. QSL route will be consigned to all bureaus of each DXCC country. Also, three awards are available. Two members of the Ukrainian DX team are on the air as 5H1XX from Zanzibar Island between August the 13th and August the 22nd. They can be heard on various bands and modes. Send QSLs to M0URX. Listen for OJ0DX from Market Reef between August the 11th and 16th. They're working on 80 to 6 metres using CWSSB and RITI. They also have plans to be in the Worked All Europe CW contest that takes place this weekend, August the 13th and 14th. Send QSLs to DL3DXX. A special event station operated by a team of Cuban amateurs is on the wireless between August the 11th and 14th. The call sign is T42FRC. Listen for them on 160 to 10 metres where they will be using CWSSB PSK31, PSK63, PSK125, Ready and JT65. Send QSLs to CO2WL. Awards. Trying for all national pass in Victoria. Again. It seems that some cannot get enough of the challenge and joy of portable operation through the Keith Rocher Memorial National Parks Award. Earlier we told you that McGarrity VK3 PMG achieved the Merit Award for having worked all 45 national parks in Victoria. A very pleasing personal achievement. Well, Mick has drawn a line in his logbook as VK3PMG and has taken on the challenge again of getting the Merit Award. 
but this time with his new call sign of VK3 Triple G. Already Mick VK3 Triple G has submitted an eligible log for having worked 25 of the VK3 National Parks. Only 20 more to go. He and others will be focusing on the 6th Annual Keith Roche Memorial National Parks Award activation period by Amateur Radio Victoria, which is Friday the 11th until Monday the 14th of November. So far, 12 national parks are registered for activation and many more are expected in coming months. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news starting at Final Frontier. Aris Mainstay steps down. The fantastic job done by the amateur radio on the International Space Station, Aris, coordinator in Australia, Tony Hutchison, VK5ZAI, is coming to an end with his retirement. During his involvement, over more than two decades, dozens of contacts were made with the orbiting International Space Station, mainly with Australian and New Zealand schools. Tony VK5ZAI says, in working with schools and students and enjoying every minute of it, it was a big decision to make. Due to several family health issues, he's decided to step down from the position at the end of August and hand the baton to fellow Telebridge operator Shane Lind, VK4KHZ. Although deciding to travel with his wife, Jill, and work a little HF on the way, the intention is for Tony to back up as a Telebridge operator from his satellite ground station at Kingston in southeast of South Australia when needed. Tony VK5ZAI says both Jill and himself have made many great friends over the 23 years of involvement with bringing space link-ups into schools for students, firstly from Mir Station and then the International Space Station. His involvement began in 1993 by assisting South Australia's Loxton High School students talk with cosmonaut Alex Serberov on the Mir Space Station. In 1998, Tony handled most of the communications between Australian-born astronaut Andy Thomas, VK5MIR, and his family during his flight on Mir, and the rest is history. He has continued that work over the years through NASA, ARIS, AMSAT, and the WIA. Those organisations have honoured Tony VK5ZAI with their awards in recognition of that work. A very humble recipient readily acknowledges that others were also involved. His personal reward has been to see the excitement on the students' faces when they first hear the crew on the ISS reply to an RS call. The retirement has been made known worldwide and instantly received congratulatory messages, including one from Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, the AMSAT Vice President for Human Spaceflight Programs. Frank, KA3HDO, says Tony's leadership and support to ARIS has been exemplary. Thank you for all you have done to make ARIS such a phenomenal program. On behalf of the team, it is glad you will be around to help the transition to Shane VK4KHZ into his new role as coordinator. He has big shoes to fill and happy you will continue to help ARIS as you can. In January 2010... Tony took a six-month appointment as International Operations Leader for ARIS, in addition to his Wireless Institute of Australia role. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, and only days to go before the world's premier portable activity. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend is next weekend, and the prestigious 400th registration has gone to the Queenscliff White Lighthouse at the heads of Port Phillip Bay in Victoria. Joe Gonzalez, VK3YSP, and his wife Julie, VK3FOWL, will be there like in previous years and last year reported contacting many others, including 38 lighthouses. 
Support has come from Queenscliff Borough Council that made a site visit and Wireless Institute of Australia calling CQ brochures helped keep the inquiring public informed. Joe and Julie says they would not miss the opportunity of being at the Queenscliff White Lighthouse again. They're very honoured at being its 400th registration for 2016. There are nearly 60 registrations around Australia's coast, just behind Germany on 65, USA 56, and England with 30. The Worldwide Fun Event began in 1993 when the Air Amateur Radio Group in Scotland decided to activate a lighthouse. The idea caught on, and it soon became an international event. The theme is to promote lighthouses through amateur radio and hopefully have these structures preserved for future generations. In Australia... In the lead this year is VK3 with 15 registrations, followed by VK2 on 12. That includes Tanya Shaw, VK2 FTAG at Clarence Head. VK4 and VK7 have 10 each, VK5, 8 and 4 in VK6. Organisers expect there will be more than 500 registrations from about 50 countries this year. To check out all registrations of marine structures, see past reports and perhaps register one yourself on the weekend of August 20 and 21. Follow the simple guidelines on the website illw.net. To worldwide special interest groups, Rescue Radio. Information on emergencies go on public show. Next month there will be a zombie attack. What would you do event? That is part of community disaster preparedness. For those who don't know, in voodoo belief, a zombie is a corpse brought back to life that moves very slowly and is not aware of what's happening. Wyson South Australia Secretary Andrew McMichael, VK5FMAC, says the event has an important role in is an opportunity to display and provide information on amateur radio. The idea is that the event begins at the Uniting Hall at Carrigill, then in a number of booths leading to the Country Fire Service Station. Wyson will conduct an exercise of people that are separated and then given a lost person form to complete, which will then be carried by radio. The form is to describe a friend by what they were wearing, their eye colour, height, weight and other features. An expected 200 people are to attend the zombie attack, what would you do event, on September 4, with Wyson South Australia now in the final planning stages for it. And worldwide special interest groups, low down, the VK4YB 630 metre transverter. Steve, VE7SL, has reviewed his little gadget for amateurradio.com and says, for the past several months I've been beaconing overnight on 630 metres whisper mode. I've been using a new transverter designed by Roger Croft of VK4YB and I've been hammering it as hard as I can ever since setting it up in the spring. No problems have been experienced over several months of 12-hour nightly beaconing punishment. Nightly signal reports often range from Hawaii, Alaska and eastwards to New England, all during our not-so-good summer band conditions. If Collins Radio were to manufacture a 630-metre transverter for the military, I can't imagine it being any better than this. Praise indeed for this homegrown transverter from VK4. And that's all I've got this week. I'm Brian, VK3GR in Melbourne, signing off. Alrighty, that takes us to the end of WIA National News. On the social scene, August 28 in VK2, it's Summerland's Hamfest at their club rooms. I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.